0: Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's Precious Metals News. It's Friday, September 2nd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So you know that moment when a liar accidentally swerves into the truth? That happened this week. A Fed paper that was published for the Jackson Hole meeting admits that the Fed can't tame inflation. I actually ran across a couple of interesting things from the mainstream this week that I want to cover today. Now, before we dig into all that, you probably know it was not a particularly good week for gold or silver. Gold actually dipped below $1,700 yesterday, and silver is at a two-year low. Now, gold fought back above $1,700 this morning. The short-term trajectory of the price will largely be determined by the non-farm jobs report that will come out here in a little bit. In fact, we'll probably break that uh, at the end of the show. But anyway, gold and silver have trended downward over the week, mostly on account of dollar strength and speculation that the Fed is going to make another big tightening move here in a few weeks at the September meeting. Now, I mean, it's really the same narrative that we've been hearing since the Fed did an about-face and conceded that inflation wasn't transitory. And of course, silver is getting a double whammy from monetary expectations and the likelihood of a recession that will ostensibly dampen industrial demand for the white metal. Now, I mean, really, when you look at it, all of the assets are tanking at this point. Stock markets have been taking a beating. Bonds have taken a beating. Bitcoin's taken a beating. It dropped below $20,000 yesterday. Ah, but the dollar. The dollar is king right now. The dollar index was at about 109.4 when I started the show prep this morning. The dollar is up nearly 19% on the year. I'm talking about the dollar index, so relative to other currencies, and it recently hit a 20-year high. So this might seem like an odd time to talk about the dollar's demise, but I'm going to talk about the dollar's demise. That's the first interesting thing out of the mainstream world that I ran across this week. It was an article by Rockefeller Institute chairman and Financial Times columnist Rashir Sharma, arguing that a post-dollar world is coming. Now, I think the general consensus out there is that the dollar is going to keep strengthening, primarily because it is the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry hamper. But Sharma points out that there are several reasons to believe that the dollar is on the verge of a precipitous decline. He argues that the environment right now is very similar to the bursting of the dot-com bubble that spurred a six-year decline in the dollar that started back in 2002. He wrote, quote, a similar tipping point may be near. This time, the U.S. dollar's decline could be even more protracted, end quote. According to Sharma, underlying imbalances bode badly for the dollar. And he noted three specific economic trends that could signal a looming dollar downturn. So first, the U.S. current account deficit is nearing 5% of U.S. GDP. He said that is a reliable signal that financial trouble is coming. So he's talking about the trade deficit, uh, the fact that the U.S. is uh, sending a lot of dollars out and bringing a lot of products in. Um, So that's what he's talking about, the current account deficit. Number two, the U.S. now owes the world a net $18 trillion. That represents 73% of GDP. Quote, this is well above the 50% threshold that has often predicted past currency crises. And then third, U.S. economic growth is slowed, and the economy may well be in a recession. According to Sharma, the U.S. economy is poised to grow more slowly than other developed countries, and this typically drags down the dollar. Now, of course, we know that dollar strength ebbs and flows. The question is, will the next decline run deep enough and last long enough to threaten the dollar's status as the reserve currency? Sharma notes that from a historical standpoint, dollar dominance is long in the tooth. Since the 15th century, the world's most dominant currency has retained that status for an average of 94 years. The dollar has served as the world reserve currency for over 100 years. So, due for a changing of the guard, right? Sharma also talks about something I've written about quite extensively, the American tendency to use the dollar as a geopolitical weapon. With the dollar serving as the reserve currency, it gives the U.S. a lot of economic power that it can then turn around and use as a foreign policy tool with things like sanctions and locking people out of the SWIFT system. Sharma says oversized U.S. influence through the dollar has prompted many countries to accelerate their search for options. Quote, the next step could be towards currency blocks rather than a single base currency. And then finally, the US dollar does enjoy a status as a safe haven for investors. That's what we're seeing right now. People are pouring into the dollar uh, as a safe haven, which is kind of weird given that they've printed so many, but you know, that's the thinking in the markets. Now, again, this is primarily because most people perceive it as the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry. You know, we've had the ECB devaluing. We've had the yen devalued. So, you know, It is stronger than other currencies. Of course, uh, the ECB is starting to tighten just like the Fed. The only only one that's not is Japan. But Sharman notes that investors seem to be in no hurry to buy American assets. Quote, They reduce risk everywhere and keep the resulting cash in dollars. So they're holding dollars. Quote, It's worth remembering that this isn't a vote of confidence in the U.S. economy. And bullish analysts offer the same reason to buy tech stocks at their recent peak valuation. There is no alternative. It ended badly. End quote. So, Just some food for thought. I mean, Peter Schiff has been talking about a currency crisis for quite a while. I've talked about it on this show. I'm not inclined to think that we're going to wake up tomorrow and and the dollar's going to suddenly fall off of its perch and no longer be the world reserve currency. But I think there is a slow decline in process. We've seen this over the last several years. I think the U.S. is playing with fire as it continues to try to use the dollar as a political weapon. So, I don't know. Food for thought, right? Okay, let's talk about the liars at the Federal Reserve. Now, am I being too harsh when I call them liars? Eh, maybe. Perhaps they are just badly mistaken when they insist on things like transitory inflation. Now, of course, that would mean the central bankers are wildly incompetent, and that might be scarier than just assuming they're lying. Regardless, We all know that the things Jerome Powell and other members of the Fed tell us are often greatly detached from reality, and they turn out to be wildly wrong. I use transitory inflation as an example simply because that was one of the most recent lies. It wasn't just that, though. In 2006, they told us that there was no problem in the housing market. In 2008, they said the problems with subprime were contained and then they told us that quantitative easing was a temporary emergency measure they weren't monetizing the debt no 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 all of the assets that they were piling onto the balance sheet were going to be sold off and here we are almost nine trillion dollars later so now they are telling us the economy is strong and they can tame inflation why should we believe them Now, if you listen to the show regularly, you know I've said that this is BS. They can't raise rates high enough without utterly obliterating the bubble economy. And furthermore, the U.S. government needs the Fed to keep creating money out of thin air in order to finance its borrowing and spending. We've talked about this a lot. Talked about it last week. Well, somebody at the Fed knows this. The Kansas City Federal Reserve Bank published a paper that was co-authored by a guy over at the Chicago Fed and a John Hopkins economist, and I'm not going to even try to say their names because I'm going to butcher them, so we're just going to call them the authors, but prominent authors nonetheless. They admitted that the central bank can't tame inflation, and they are setting up a scapegoat to blame when they fail. That scapegoat is good old Uncle Sam. Now, in a nutshell, the paper argues that the Fed cannot control inflation by itself. U.S. government fiscal policy contributes to inflationary pressures and can make it impossible for the Fed to do its job. Quote, Trend inflation is fully controlled by the monetary authority only when public debt can be successfully stabilized by credible future fiscal plans. When the fiscal authority is not perceived as fully responsible for covering the existing fiscal imbalances, the private sector expects that inflation will rise to ensure sustainability of national debt. As a result, a large fiscal imbalance combined with a weakening fiscal credibility may lead trend inflation to drift away from the long run target chosen by the monetary authority. In other words, the federal government spending a bunch of money, borrowing a bunch of money, running up a bunch of debt, makes it really hard to control inflation, no matter what the Fed does with interest rates. Now, there are a couple of really startling admissions in this single par- paragraph. First, the authors acknowledge that the federal government uses inflation as a tool to handle its debt. Did you catch that? The private sector expects that inflation will rise to ensure sustainability of national in other words, it acknowledges that we're all paying an inflation tax to help fund government spending. So every time you go to the grocery store, or the gas station, and you pay more, you're financing in some part government spending. You're paying for things that government promised would be free, like stimmy checks or student loan forgiveness or you know, bombing some country thousands of miles away. Second, the paper concedes that merely tinkering with interest rates won't slay inflation if the government continues to spend far beyond its means. That's really the theme of this paper. And make no mistake, the U.S. government is spending far beyond its means, right? We all know this. Although the budget deficit is shrinking as emergency pandemic spending programs are winding down, the Biden administration continues to spend about a half a trillion dollars Every single month. And it seems like every time I wake up in the morning, I'm hearing about some new spending plan that the administration is proposing. And, you know, I'm saying Biden because he's the president now. But I guarantee you that if there was a Republican off in office, they'd still be spending a whole bunch of money because that's what government does, right? So they're just piling onto this ever-ballooning deficit. So this paper admits what I've been saying for months. Government spending is a big problem for the Federal Reserve. Powell and Company continue to insist that they will stay in this inflation fight until the end. But Uncle Sam depends on the Fed buying treasury bonds in order to facilitate its borrowing and spending addiction. As the central bank buys bonds, it creates artificial demand in the market and it holds interest rates down. That's why the U.S. government can keep borrowing money relatively cheaply. The government needs low interest rates when it's borrowing trillions of dollars. Without the Fed's big fat thumb on the bond market, treasury prices will continue to sink as the supply of bonds outstrips the demand and interest rates will rise. That's why you need the Fed buying these bonds. The bottom line is the federal government cannot operate without the Fed printing money, at least not for very long. The paper also tacitly admits that the Fed isn't going to win the inflation fight, and it warns that we could be heading toward stagflation. Quote, when fiscal imbalances are large and fiscal credibility wanes, in other words, we have big deficits and everybody knows it, it may become increasingly harder for the monetary authority, the Fed, to stabilize inflation around its desired target. If the monetary authority, the Fed, increases rates in response to high inflation, the economy enters a recession. What have we been saying? This increases the debt-to-GDP ratio. If the monetary tightening is not supported by the expectation of appropriate fiscal adjustments, in other words, if this monetary tightening is not supported by government budget cuts, the deterioration of fiscal imbalances leads to Even higher inflationary pressure. Why? Because they need the Fed to monetize the debt. As a result, a vicious circle of rising nominal rates, rising inflation, economic stagnation and increasing debt would arise. This, my friends, is exactly what is happening. Now this is in a Fed paper. This isn't Peter Schiff, this isn't Mike Meharry. this isn't some, you know, conspiracy theorist. This is a Fed paper. The authors call it a pathological situation. Quote, monetary tightening would actually spur higher inflation and would spark a pernicious fiscal stagflation with the inflation rate drifting away from the monetary authority's target and with GDP growth slowing down considerably. Well, hello there, Fed. Welcome to reality. Now, the Federal Reserve has raised rates to about 2.5%. Despite Orwellian spin from the powers that be, it appears the economy has already dipped into a recession. If it hasn't, it's getting awful close. During the Jackson Hole speech, Jerome Powell said the Fed will use our tools forcefully to get inflation under control and even conceded that it will cause some economic pain. But the numbers undercut Powell's confident in assertions. By numbers, I mean the economic data. That we've seen coming out, and some of it's been a little better than expected, but by and large, economic data has not been good. I'll link to an article in the show notes page to the podcast that Peter Schiff did this week, kind of talking about how some of this economic data is being misperceived as good when eh, not so much. But regardless, the Fed would have to raise rates to a level that would obliterate this bubble economy in order to cool inflation. I talked about this last week. I mean, uh, based on the Taylor rule, you'd need to have uh, interest rates above 9%. That ain't happening, right? I'm pretty sure the central bankers know this. That's why I call them liars. This paper, co-authored by a Fed official, makes that pretty clear. I think the central bankers are setting the stage to finger point and pass the buck when this whole inflation-fighting scheme blows up in their faces. Now, the paper states that the central bank can control inflation, quote, only when public debt can be successfully stabilized by credible future fiscal plans. In other words, you need to stabilize debt by cutting spending, making spending manageable, reining in government. Do you think that's going to happen no, I don't either. In fact, the only workable plan for the Federal Reserve is to monetize more debt by buying more treasuries with more money created out of thin air. This is one reason I've been saying for months that the Fed won't win this inflation fight, and this is exactly what this Fed paper is saying. Now, in one sense, I think the Fed is setting the stage for its own failure. It's, it's already making excuses, and it's a little pathetic. The central banking put quantitative easing on steroids during the pandemic and injected nearly $5 trillion into the economy. That is the very definition of inflation. If you want to know who's to blame for this mess, the Fed stands at the very front of the line. That said, this paper isn't completely disingenuous. As I've explained, the federal government plays a role in the inflation game as well. As the saying goes, it takes two to tango, right? The federal government is out of control with spending. And the spending spree necessitates inflations. Inflations? No, not multiple inflation. Well, maybe it is inflations. A lot of inflation. And of course, it's not just Biden's fault. We like to finger point at him because he's in office. The Trump administration was also running massive deficits prior to the pandemic. And then Obama before him. And then Bush. I mean, you can go back. All of these people spend way too much money. So even as the paper's authors are trying to point the finger in another direction, they aren't wrong when they write, quote, stagflation is caused by the progressive deterioration of the fiscal authority's credibility, the government's, to stabilize its large debt and the realization that the reputation of the monetary authority is incompatible with the expected behavior of the fiscal authority. In other words, the Fed can't raise interest rates, do quantitative tightening, at the same time that the federal government is spending trillions of dollars and running up all of this debt. Those two things are not compatible. This is absolutely true. This paper nails it, hits the thing on the head. It's what I've been saying for months. It's what Peter Schiff has been saying. It's what a lot of us contrarians have been saying. Here it is in a Fed paper. In plain English, the central bank can't stop inflation when the federal government needs inflation to survive. Now, of course, this paper is not going to get a whole lot of attention. You're not going to see talking about it on CNBC or MSNBC. In fact, the paper comes with a disclaimer, quote, "...the views in this paper are solely those of the authors and should not be interpreted as reflecting the views of the Federal Reserve of Chicago or any person associated with the Federal Reserve System. Regardless, they swerved into the truth, and we would do well to pay attention." All right. Well, we're close to the end of the show, but before I go, let's see if we can find the jobs report for August. Um, it should be out at this point. Uh, here, let's look at the price of gold first, and then we'll predict what the job numbers are. Let's see here. The gold right now, we're at about $1,70480. we are up $660. Um, I'm assuming that's from yesterday. So, up a bit I'm going to say that the jobs report was probably close to the consensus maybe a little worse than expected let's see if we can find it here all right here we go the economy added 315,000 jobs in August the uh, consensus forecast for was for 320,000 jobs so basically right on the money um of course, that's a lot lower than last month. Last month, we had 520,000 non-farm payroll jobs created. Also, if if you saw the ADP, the private sector, it was way below expectation. Uh, it came out yesterday. Um, let's see. The unemployment rate is up to 3.7%. Uh, I think it was 3.5% on the last read so unemployment rate kind of ticking up job creation kind of slowing down interesting um so it looks like gold's kind of eh, it's not really gonna do a whole lot with this um I, I don't i don't see a lot in these initial numbers that make me think anything one way or the other that it's going to really impact uh the fed's thinking or the fed's messaging i'm not sure the fed is thinking i think they're messaging more than they're thinking but so, I'm sure that Peter Schiff will break down the labor market report. It' will be interesting to see like labor participation rate and some of the internals on this and uh generally are uh our guy Tony also will break down the data more deeply. Speaking of Tony, if you haven't caught it already, you definitely need to listen to the interview I did with him last week when we kind of talk about technical analysis and we get into the uh, uh, the comics and gold and futures and manipulation and those types of things. It's a pretty interesting interview. Uh, so check that out. I'll link to it in the show notes page. Um, before I go, as always, I want to encourage you, you know, it's a crazy world we're living in right now. Peter Schiff made a really good point that all of this data isn't showing a strong economy. It's actually showing a dysfunctional economy. I think it's very true. And and you need to shield yourself from the dysfunction. One way you can possibly do that is through precious metals. Highly recommend talking to a Schiff Gold Precious Metals specialist. You can do that today. Just call 1-888-GOLD160 or email them info at shiftgold.com or you can go to the um the the uh, start page at shiftgold.com click there getting started and you can actually chat with a precious metal specialist right there online um tell them what your goals are talk about your portfolio your investment goals and they can help you see how precious metals might fit into your investment strategy so do that today with that that's a gold wrap for this week now, of course, you can get more information on all of these stories that I've talked about today and more over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, of course, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, We're on Stitcher. Uh, we're on the YouTubes. You can find links to all of these things at the show notes page. I am always happy to hear from folks. You can email me, maharry M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y, at shipgold.com. Love to hear from folks. Uh, we got a long weekend this weekend, Labor Day, coming up, so I hope you have a fantastic uh, weekend, and I will talk to you again next week.